Welcome to Grace New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Today, we have a special guest, Brian Holm from Asbury. He is talking about how to have peace from the Prince of Peace. Let's listen now. Well, our teacher today is Brian Holm. Brian, come on up here. Brian heads the ministry, youth ministry, all kinds of stuff, leads a program called Youth Becoming Leaders that, that we uh, take kids to in the summer and, um, and just has a real voice and has just been, and for me has been a, a, a place to speak to and get uh, thoughts from and has just been a real counselor to me in perplexity mm -hmm. of all things students in the last few years. And I'm just so thankful. He's also one of those guys that doesn't get me in trouble. Uh, when he teaches, so I'm very we'll thankful see. for him. Yeah, no promises today. So, Brian, thanks for being with us oh, today. We're glad you're here. Thank All right. You, thank you. Thank All right. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is good to be back here at Grace. I, the last time I was here, Randy, I think was 2019, which wasn't that long ago, but feels like for, I think, many of us a long time ago. It was in the summer. So if I don't know you, I, I, I'm thrilled to meet you. And if I do, if I have met you before, I'm excited to be back with you for sure. Um, I love to be at Grace for many reasons. One of them is the fallout and the, the youth ministry, the student ministries of the campuses here that are part of this family of Grace. It is incredible to see a church that invests in and cares about young people. That matters. That matters. And so this is something that's really near and dear to my heart and to my life. Um, part of what I do, as Randy said, I, I teach at Asbury University, but I also am the director of this institute called Youth Becoming Leaders. It's a Christian high school student leadership institute. And if you are a high school student, if you know a high school student, if you're a parent of a high school student, a grandparent of a high school student, I would love for you to just think about this program called Youth Becoming Leaders, asbury.edu backslash YBL. You can check it out there. Um, but really simply this, we, we believe that young people can be great Christ-like leaders starting right now. Amen? Yeah. And we believe our world needs better leaders. Amen? And so part of what for me I've devoted my life to is really that, is how do we help invest in people in ways that they can invest in young people to help them take the next step in leadership? And so I, I would encourage you uh, to investigate that a little bit. Um, yeah, that'd be great. I grew up in church uh, my whole life, um, and I've spent a lot of time in ministry, oh, 30 years basically in, uh, of my life in ministry. And of all different kinds, mostly revolving around young people. But one of the things I've learned over the years, whether you've grown up in church your whole entire life, or maybe this is like the first time or whatever in between you might be, that a lot of us are asking some really big and important questions about who God is. Um, this is a holiday season. Uh, holiday season at my house when I was growing up, my mom loves puzzles. Does anybody else like puzzles? You know, I'm not talking about, not like the games, but like that you put it on the table and you figure out the pieces. Puzzle people, okay, there's some of you. So we would get like the thousands, I don't know, millions, I don't know, it felt like a jillion pieces of, and, the, and we would put it out there and we would try to figure this out and it'd take us basically the whole holidays to, to put it together. Do you know what the most important part of a puzzle is? What's the most important part? What do you think? Corners, edges, those are good answers, but those are wrong. Because the most important part of any puzzle is the lid, right? If you got the wrong lid, so I, 
I am around youth ministry, so one of the things I do from time to time is I love to switch people's lids. <laughs> yeah. Now, right, but here's, here's why I tell you that, not so you'll think poorly of me, but <laughs> I tell you that because I think a lot of us, if we're honest about our journey with God, is we feel like we've been given maybe the wrong lid, or maybe the lid isn't quite complete, or maybe part of it is ripped off or something, and we're trying to put this puzzle together, but we're not quite sure it's fitting right because we're not sure we see the whole picture. And so whether we've grown up in church our whole life, or again, this is day number one, whatever that might be, anywhere in between, I think all of us can relate to that to some way. And so I'd say that to say, just as we begin, can we all open our hearts to maybe today that God might be showing us something new and different? that we would see and know him in a new and better way. Can we open our hearts to that as we begin? Uh, the scripture we're going to be in, at least as we start, is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. If you have your Bibles and want to turn there with me, I'll read it aloud in a moment. I believe we started there last week in this season of Advent. This is a passage we often read. It says, the prophet Isaiah says, For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Sermon today is entitled, Whose Peace? So I want you to turn to somebody and say, Whose Peace? Whose Peace? Let's pray together. God, thank you for this opportunity to be together. We know that we all bring with us through the door all kinds of stuff, especially this time of year, busyness, worry, struggles, Bills, we bring that stuff. And so, God, we just want to lay it at your feet as we engage this time together. God, we pray that the true teacher, your Holy Spirit, would come and teach us now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Luke is the, is the, if you don't know this, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all trying to tell the story of Jesus. And it's not that they're telling about different Jesus. They're just telling different audiences, different, uh, they're telling different audiences basically who Jesus is. Luke is the physician. He's the doctor. He's the one who tried his best to interview everybody he could, get all the information he could. And so there's a lot of detail packed into Luke and Luke's account about the gospel. And in Luke chapter two, verse one, he just starts really simply. And he, and he tells us that it's in this day in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So, we forget this sometimes, but Jesus was born in a time and place. Jesus was a person, yes? We believe he was fully human, fully divine, amen? Right? That's orthodoxy, we believe that. And so, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Jesus like walked on ground just like you do. He talked, I don't know if you've thought, I think weird things, I'm, I'm a youth person, youth ministry person, so who knows what's going through my mind. But he, I don't know if you've thought about this, like what do you think Jesus' voice sounded like? Have you ever thought about this? Like is it really deep in your mind? I'm going to be disappointed, I'm going to be honest. If When I meet him, it's Mickey Mouse, it's going to be disappointing, right? <laughs> 
I don't know if you thought about these things, but you could touch Jesus like he lived in a place, right? So, all right, I, again, I work with young people, so I have to put qualifiers on some of my instructions. But I want you, in just a second, when I say go, if you're comfortable, I want you to maybe just gently touch, gently is the key word, gently touch somebody who you came with or sitting next to you. Okay, ready, go, just, just gently touch, right? And I don't know if you thought about this, but if you were around Jesus, you could have touched him. Right? You could have actually put your hand on him and touched him. Now, again, I'm an interesting person, so I don't know if you've thought about this, but I wonder if Jesus was ticklish. Do you ever wonder that? <laughs> not to be, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but he was fully human. And again, sometimes when we grow up, especially around church, and we hear this all the time, we forget the humanity of Jesus. But he was born in a time and place. In fact, the place that in the, and the time that he was born in, we know this, that the world was in incredible need. So if you have a little outline, that's the first one. The world was in incredible need when Jesus was born. In that particular time in history, we know lots of war, lots of, lots of conflict in the world between different countries, between different people within countries. We know that also there was a lot of oppression. There was a lot of people who were pushed down into the margins. Uh, the economies of the world, to be really honest, were not working well at all in those days. There was a lot of need. What the world needed was peace. Enter into that picture an empire, the Roman Empire. Jesus lived in the Roman Empire. We just read Luke made a point to include in his story who was in charge in those days. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. And when I make a decree, I don't know how it works in your world, when I make a decree, every once in a while, somebody might listen. <laughs> Usually it's my dog. <laughs> but <laughs> I have four kids. <laughs> Usually it's my dog. Anyway, <laughs> but when you're Caesar, people listen right? Jesus lived in this particular world. Now, I want to I color this a bit. I want you to see this. So uh, the first Caesar, most of us know, was Caesar salad. No, that's a joke. Uh, was Julius Caesar, right? Julius Caesar was the first Caesar. And he basically said, yeah, yeah, this Roman thing, I know you guys want to be a republic, and, but I'm taking over, basically, and he did. And then he declared himself, I don't know if you know this, he declared himself divine, and then he handed the keys over, if you will, to one of his adopted sons who became known as Caesar Augustus. And this is who was Caesar when Jesus was born. There are these inscriptions that we find all over the Roman kingdom on all kinds of different buildings, gates, all these things. And it says, divine Caesar, son of God. In fact, when Caesar Augustus was born, the stories tell us, history tells us, historians tell us, that right at that time, in the sky, there was a meteor shower, right when Caesar Augustus was born. And so they believed that that was a sign that Caesar in particular was a son of God, and he was given a very specific thing. They believed he was sent by the gods to this earth to bring peace. Kind of interesting. In fact, later in his life, once Caesar was in charge, he decided to declare for his birthday celebration Listen to this language. This is really important, and you'll, you'll see why. The advent of Caesar. Now, the word advent means coming. He called it the advent of Caesar, and he declared for his birthday they were going to celebrate for 12 days. Maybe you've heard a song about the 12 days of Caesar. Oh, wait. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> so what they declared was this phrase, this Latin phrase was Pax Romana, which means 
Roman peace, the peace of Rome. And it turns out that they were actually really successful at taking over the world. So in Caesar Augustus' day, it turns out about up to maybe 25% of the world's population was part of the Roman Empire. Stretched all the way from basically what we know as England to India. It was this huge empire. Um, In those days, in order to communicate how great things were, they didn't have social media, they didn't have TV, they didn't have any kind of media, they didn't have any ways to really get a broadcast out. So what they would do in order to communicate, you might know this, is they would they try to put messages on the one thing they knew everybody would touch, money, right? And so on the coins of those days, there are many of them you can find, but they would put out their new messages. And one of the things they would put on the coin was Caesar Augustus' face on one side, Julius Caesar's face on the other side. And on the, on the same side as Caesar Augustus was this inscription, Savior of the world. And so when Caesar would show up, they would declare, peace has come. Now, this is an interesting kind of peace. See, because peace in those days for Caesar, and this is an important distinction, peace in those days with Caesar meant right relationship with Caesar. In other words, if you wanted to be at peace, you had to do what Caesar wanted you to do. (laughs) And so Caesar did make peace, but he brought his peace through war, through political coercion, and through domination. So the phrase that they would ask everyone to say in allegiance to the Roman Empire was this, Caesar is Lord. And so they would show up at your doorstep, basically, if you were a place they wanted to conquer and add to the Roman Empire, they would send someone ahead. And that particular person, this herald, would come and they called him, what they, they called this was euagelia, which is the word we get evangelical from. And this herald would come to announce, to evangelize, to announce, and this is the language they would use of that day, the good news of the advent of Caesar. The good news that Caesar was coming. And so the, the herald would come and he would basically plant a little monument to Caesar And then when he would do that, he had a little party with him, and he would say, Caesar is Lord. Now, you knew when the herald was coming, not just because he was loud about it, but because standing right behind him was one of the greatest military forces the world had ever known. And so he would come, and he would stand, and he would say, Caesar is Lord. The peace has come. And if you're the leaders of that city, you would meet that herald out there. And then you had two choices. Choice number A, which most people took, was to say, Caesar is Lord, you're right. Come on in. But if you said no, as you looked over the shoulder of the herald and saw the military behind them, they would come and take over your city and they would crucify you and the other leaders of your city right outside the walls. Caesar came to bring peace as long as you went his way. God's response to this is not what my response would be. It's sort of absurd if you think about it. And if you're thinking about this puzzle and the lid to the puzzle, this is not where you think this lid should look like. (laughs) But what does Jesus do? He sends a baby, helpless. A helpless baby born in a manger in a town that, to be frank, means nothing. It's known for raising sheep. 
So check this out. Luke chapter 2. Again, Luke's sharing with us. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 11. And remember, the prophet Isaiah has said he's going to send the prince of peace. (laughs) And the angel said to them, so God sends his army to declare the good news and he sends it to not the leaders of a town, not the, not the political leaders, not the military leaders. He sends it to shepherds. <laughs> and the angel said to them, fear not. Now listen to the language again. I just gave you all this language that the Roman Empire told us. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, an army of these angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. You catch this language, Savior, who is Christ. Glory to God in the highest. See, apparently God and the followers of Jesus after him realized that this language of might, this language of peace had a different way. So let's talk about peace just for a moment or two. Peace in the New Testament, the, there's a, the Greek word for it is irene, which is a really fun word to say, irene. So turn to your neighbor and say, irene. <laughs> so if somebody's fighting with you this week, you just say, irene. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <clears throat> that means, that word literally means one. It's this kind of picture in this word is this, that you have these things that are pieced together. They're joined together in a perfect way. So peace is a good interpretation of that word, but it, just the, the picture of it is things are fitting together really well. In the Old Testament, the word for peace is a word shalom. Most of us have probably heard that somewhere along the way. And that word is also an interesting word, but it basically means at its core, that Hebrew word of shalom, it's this word picture that everything is in right relationship with God and with each other. Let me say that again, because I want you to get, we're not just talking about peace in, in the biblical sense. It's not just about not fighting. Peace is about being in right relationship with God and all of creation. So it means this. It means a flourishing of every person and everything at the same time. So are you catching this? Everything and every person at the same time. This is very complex, isn't it? Like, have you met yourself? <laughs> have you met you, who you live, live with in your house, your family? Have you met people that you work with? Yeah, is it complex to be in right relationship with all those people all the time? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Some of you are, yes, praying right now. Amen, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I want you to catch this. And if you're reading along in your devotions this week that, that Grace has given you through Christianity Today, this is a, one, of the, one of the devotions this week focuses on this little phrase. If I have peace, but my neighbor does not, that is injustice, not, not shalom. See, the idea again in shalom is that everything is together. 
Everything is in right relationship. And the peace that God brings is a peace that is about right relationship with God and everything else. Is it a piece of Caesar? <laughs> the, the Pax Romana with the military might dominating you? No, this is not that kind of peace. This is a piece of right relationship. And this is the absurdity of it that Jesus, that God sends Jesus, this baby, born in the most humblest ways, not to dominate, but to bring a different kind of peace. And then we say, how can this happen? And then Jesus starts showing us what this kind of peace looks like. <laughs> so Jesus and his followers brought this new way of peace, a peace that is loving and serving others. So we see this if we, we know Jesus' life, and most of us have read at least some of the Gospels, and we see Jesus being this beautiful picture of compassion, of serving, of loving, of caring, of feeding, of healing, of all of these things. And you'll notice none of them involve war. None of them involve political coercion. None of them involve domination. Instead, he comes in this different way, a way of gentleness, a way of humility, a way of patience. Do you know the earliest church? They looked for two things. The very earliest church, the people after, after Jesus had ascended and the apostles had just kind of started this church, when they were looking for people to believe in Jesus, they looked for two things in their life. Two things. It was a really short list. Love, do you show love? And then the second one is just really hard. Patience. <laughs> at least our world is really good at, oh wait, no, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, so these followers of Jesus began to live in this way of loving and serving. So I want you to catch this tension that they live in. Again, they live in this Roman Empire. And so towns that accepted Caesar, remember the herald would come and say, Caesar's Lord, and you would say, well, yeah, Caesar's Lord. Those towns that accepted them were called worshiping centers. They had a word for that. That word is ecclesia. And so any town that said Caesar is Lord was called an ecclesia. And so what's interesting is the church, the followers of Jesus, they stole this word ecclesia. And in the New Testament, anytime you see the word church, that's the word, that's the Greek word is ecclesia. They stole that word. It's a place of worship, not to Caesar, but to Christ. The early believers called themselves the body of Christ. They believed in this kind of crazy way that when they would come together and start serving and loving and healing and being patient and gentle and humble, that actually Christ himself came in their midst and that Christ himself was there. They called themselves the body of Christ. They were the kinds of people that would live in this real way of peace, not a way of domination, not a way of war, but rather a way of serving and loving, especially serving and loving those who were the least. And then check this out, the absurdity of this. And then they made a point to not just love the, their neighbors and their family and those who didn't have much, they went to their enemies and loved them too. It's a little quiet in here right now. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so here it is that the church began to take this gospel of serving, not ruling. 
They began to take this gospel of good news that is a transformation from the inside out. Hear this. Jesus came to be with us. He is the Prince of Peace, not because he came to dominate, not because he came to tell us all what to do. Rather, he's the Prince of Peace because he comes into our lives and he is with us in the midst of the hardest things. So the early church would begin to live this way. And so we see it, if you've read through the book of Acts, you can see these great pictures of this, where they would begin to gather people together and they would find the people who had need and they would help those people in need. And instead of dominating them and telling them you have to believe this, they would just invite them into, and the word in the New Testament is fellowship. And that word just means basically this idea that we would come together under love and through a mission to care for each other. Now, in the Roman world, there are all kinds of little communities. Uh, some of them were like political parties, like you might belong to those. I know it's hard to imagine a nation that was really obsessed with that, but anyway, just try. And so like it mattered, like when you walked in a room, if you belonged to a certain political party, it would matter, and they would kind of put you into this camp. I know, just try to imagine a world like that. And so they, they would just try to do that. And then there were some other, there were some other like communities that would gather together. They were typically built around like skills, like guilds that would worship specific kinds of gods. And they could not make sense of these Christians because the Christians would come together under this purpose of just actually caring for people and helping them and loving them and pointing them to this Jesus who was love and who met them in the midst of their struggles and pain and successes and was with them. And it was this Jesus that wasn't just something we talked about and went to somewhere, but it was a Jesus who was with us in our everyday life. And so they began to change the world through loving people. Do you catch this? And so they would come into a place and say, yeah, who's peace? Caesar, who crucifies people, or Jesus, who meets us right where we are? Which brings us to us today. <laughs> Is our world in need? Is our world broken? Any war going on? Any conflict? Yeah, we understand that our world is pretty broken but we also understand for some that it is about stopping the war and fighting. We think about brothers and sisters in Ukraine, for example, and in those places, we, we understand that that is a reality. But it's also when I can't pay my bills, there's no peace. Some of us have felt that. When we get that cancer diagnosis, there's no peace. There's no peace. When I'm in the midst of a divorce or broken relationships, Hard to find peace in there. We live in a world full of anxiety. I don't know if you've paid attention to this at all, but uh, anxiety in our country is going up just a little. <laughs> Across the board, anxiety, by all that we can find in terms of research, is up 25%. And that's very alarming. Most alarming, though, is what's what we see happening to our young people. Now, what... Before the lockdown and all that stuff, and, and basically before you know, 2018 and, and before, the young people in our country largely were not that anxious. Now, there, obviously there were some, and suicide is a reality, and we know that was part of it, and depression was there. But just across the board, in terms of the scope of their life, young people were actually the, the lowest percentage of all the group population groups. They were the lowest percentage of ang anxious people. 
Since the lockdown in our country, anxiety among those young people, basically teenagers, has risen about 200%. So now they are no longer the least anxious. They're the most anxious of our age groups. Do we know peace? We live in a world in need. But here's the thing. Jesus is with us. Amen? He is the Prince of Peace exactly because he didn't come to dominate us, but he, he's the Prince of Peace because he's come to join us in the midst of those things with loving and caring and serving and being with us. He comes into our lives. And here's the, here's the thing about what Jesus invites us into, and I think part of what the message for all of us, including me today, is this, that we all recognize that that shalom that I described, that what that word means we recognize that it's not here in this world today. Can I, right? Yeah. But it will come. <laughs> and this is part of what we celebrate in Christmas season, in the Advent season, is the coming of Jesus who will bring ultimate shalom. Woo, glory, right? But here's the thing. You're invited to join him in bringing shalom right now. It is not just something for later, Amen. It is something that we can begin to inhabit right here and right now. And part of what God invites us into is this relationship in life now where God's spirit begins to move in us. And, and here's the thing. I know this because I've met some of you and I've been around this church a little bit. Have you met some people that live like this? There are people who live like this, yes? Who bring peace everywhere they go. Have you ever met that person when you spend time with them? You just feel like I've spent time with Jesus too. Amen. Those are, those are great relationships, aren't they? And the good news is we're all invited to be in that kind of relationship, to, to live that kind of way. If I can be really clear, that is the, and I'm going to use this word intentionally, that is the church. That is the, hear the word, the Greek word, ekklesia. That is the announcement of good news when we begin to live that way with people around us. Amen. But it's not always easy. I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to try really hard not to cry. About a year and a half ago, some of the closest friends my wife and I have on the planet, James and Rochelle. Rochelle uh, got a diagnosis. She started to fall a little bit around the house. She's, they're younger than I am. They have a son. They're, their son is, is, is really good friends, basically grew up with my youngest son. Um, they did small group with us. They go to our church. And Rochelle got this diagnosis of brain cancer. It's one of the most aggressive brain cancers that we know of. The odds of making out are basically none. And I don't know how you would respond in that situation. I don't know if any of us really know how we'd respond until we're in it. But I know my temptation in that would be to get really angry. But James and Rochelle began to show us what shalom looks like. And so over this year where Rochelle began to decline physically. You've never met someone with more joy. Somebody who would, when you'd walk in the room and you'd hold her hand as she laid in that bed, she would, she would say, Brian, Brian, Jesus is with us. And you would have this overwhelming sense of peace in God's presence. And you say, it doesn't make any sense. In a world that we live in that says the only way to peace is domination, she began to say, no, no, no. In the midst of my brokenness, I'm closer than ever to this Jesus who is with me. 
And so over the course of that year and her incredible physical decline, she passed away just, the funeral was fallout weekend last year. In the midst of that decline, she began to do this amazing thing. She just started inviting all the people she knew in her life to come and visit. And she began to make peace with them. And she began to, to bring them in and make sure they knew about this peace of Jesus. Right? What it looked like to live in shalom. That it wasn't about being better. It wasn't about more. It was about seeing Jesus right in the midst of our moment. That the Prince of Peace had really come. God is up to something. And what we celebrate in Advent is the coming of this peace. Amen? Which brings us to us specifically. I just want to ask some questions about us. So what about myself? Is there shalom in my soul? Is there peace in my soul? Am I in right, right relationship with God? I just might challenge you to do maybe a little inventory in the next couple minutes and just ask that question. Am I in right relationship with God? Um, uh, maybe there's a moment here where, where in the midst of, uh, in, a, in a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. Maybe in that, we would, we would pause and ask this question, God, how am I in relationship with you? And if I've done some things to bring brokenness, maybe I need to Maybe I need to bring that right. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, hear the language, we have peace, arene, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because of Jesus. Am I in right relationship? And what begins to happen if we open ourselves up is God begins to create this awareness in us of his relationship and his presence in our life. And if we're willing, wherever you've done before, wherever you might be now, if we're willing to open ourselves up, God has something for us, amen? And if we're willing to just listen. And then it's the most amazing thing. I don't have words to explain it. I've been around the church my whole life. I wish I could. But once we begin to open ourselves up and we say, okay, God, what you have for me, I wanna, I wanna make this right, then God be, does this amazing thing. And it's not... It's not, uh, there's not a book for it. I wish there was. Like, the Bible helps us, but it doesn't tell us step by step. But somehow, God's spirit comes to us and begins to show us the things we need to do in our life. And then what about our neighbor? Shalom's about right relationship. Right relationship, not just with God, but also with the people around us. Ephesians chapter two, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And he came and preached peace to those of you who are far off and peace to those who are near. Do we have any racial tensions in our country, in our neighborhoods? I just want you to think about the web of relationships just for a second. You just put you in the middle and you start to trace out the relationships you have. And the first people that come to mind are probably your family and your friends. I just want you to, for a minute, just to trace those relationships out. And maybe you have coworkers, people that you've spent time with, maybe the people who live next door to you, if you know them. And just think about those web of relationships and just ask the question, where are some of those strands maybe strained or broken? Holidays have a way of bringing those out, don't they? And I wonder maybe if we just prayerfully would consider even today, God, what would it mean for me to be a person of shalom, of peace in the midst of that? And that might mean something like forgiving somebody who doesn't deserve it. It might mean something like loving our neighbors, 
It might mean doing something like serving people who have done us wrong. But this is what the church is, amen? This is what it means to say we serve a prince of peace. And then what does it mean to live in peace together as a community? Right here, a grace. Ephesians chapter four, Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. And then this really annoying phrase, he says, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. <laughs> every effort, really, God? <laughs> yeah. What, was it, what does it look like to to ask the question about this neighborhood around us and ask the question, how do we live at peace with them? How do we serve them? How do we go to them? And I know you guys have done a lot of great work with that, but I just want to invite you to that. Now, some of us might be saying something crazy like, I don't know that I have very much to offer, Brian. I'll tell you a story and then invite you to prayer. There's a young girl, she's a high school student. She attended this conference I was talking about, this Youth Becoming Leaders thing, and she's an artist. And when I say she's an artist, whatever you think of about an artist, the answer is yes. Jenna is all of those things. Like, time is completely optional. You know what I mean? She's that kind of a person, right? <laughs> but she loves Jesus with her whole heart. She's this high school student. She has almost no resources. Um, but she came to Youth Becoming Leaders, and she felt like God was starting to call her to do something really interesting, which is just, she has friends who are artists, and she said, what if I started to gather them together and, and do something with our art? And right about the same time at her church, they joined together with, a, a, she lives in Oklahoma, with, in this, these, uh, this uh, sort of like celebrate recovery, if you know what that is, like a, a, they help addic addicts come out of, a, out of addiction and they place them into jobs and they really try to help them get on their feet. So there's this organization that her church works with. And the interesting thing is they do a really good job of ministering not just to the individual, but to the families of those people. And so she started this thing where she and her artist friends get together with the kids of some of these recovering addicts. And what they do is she, she they make art, they do these like Christmas cards and trinkets and ornaments and all these things. And then they sell those things online. And then what they do is take all that money to, to fund the meals where those families can get together. <laughs> Peace. Shalom. A high school girl who just said, God's calling me to do something with what I've got. It's not much, but what I have, I give you. And God's doing incredible things. I wonder what it would be like if we just ask a question together as a community. What is God doing with us and in us that we could bring shalom? So the question again is whose peace? Whose peace do we choose? I know the peace that we're inclined to is a peace of domination. <laughs> a, peace, a, a peace that says I have to take control. But what God's invited us into is to see that he's already at work in his son Jesus. Jesus said, my peace, I leave you. Is our world broken? Yep. Does our world need peace? Yep. Yep. Does he want to use us to bring peace here? Yes. Yes. Let's pray together. God, as we ask this question, whose peace? I pray that you would invite us to a place where we can really lean into you. In this season of Advent where we celebrate the Prince of Peace, I pray that you would help us to live in such a way that we point to peace by caring and loving and serving those around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name.